0: Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny.
1: And welcome to another edition of Drive Time Radio, a Labor Day edition Like the weekend. It is. Everybody out on the road, it's a mess out there. If you were going to go someplace and you haven't left by now, forget about it. Don't go. It's uh, unless you're one of those people that go a day late and come back a day later. Maybe, maybe you got a shot. Otherwise, uh, it is just nuts out there. I can't believe how many cars. Well, actually, you know what? I can believe how many cars are on the road. It's the last vestiges of summer up here in the northwest, and we know what that means. I mean, that absolutely means that um, that it just gets kind of nuts. It just gets a little crazy now for some reason. Um, my camera doesn't seem to be working right. Are you are you picking up on that, Nathan?
2: Yeah, I'm seeing it. It almost looks like you got a picture like a overlay going on or something. I don't know if it's yeah, an overlay. Yeah, yeah. If, uh,
1: yeah. Let's see if we can get rid of this. Maybe you
2: have to get rid of your virtual background or something and just oops. Are you still there with me?
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, it's funny. The camera is not turning on for some reason. I've been having trouble with this computer all morning. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, uh, I'm sure that it, now you hear the audio,
2: right? Yes, we're coming through clean.
1: All right. So radio is good. So we're we're, we're good with that. And that's our, the first audience that we serve here is radio. So we're going to just continue to go with that and uh, see if I can fix this on the fly. Uh, what we are uh, planning to do today is uh, our usual Labor Day show. We pay tribute to uh america's workhorse the pickup truck and uh so that is what we are going to do as well as we can do it here it's interesting again to see that for whatever reason the camera is not uh uh, turning on and uh so i'm going to go into uh you know the settings here and see if i can make that happen uh let's see this has got there's something in here i got no idea let's try this one and see what happens there we go. Look at that. We had a uh, software update, Nathan, on the fo- on the uh, computer last night. That's what I woke up to this morning. And that's why we were having some trouble getting through it, because it changes everything. But, uh, okay, we are on now our social media stuff as well. So that's good. Uh, well and fine. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes... You know, computers, sometimes you just pray about it. Anyway, uh, so we are doing our tribute to uh, America's workhorse, the pickup truck. We'll talk about older trucks a little bit later uh, in the show. But I want to bring in a guy we had on a couple of of weeks ago. And he's very knowledgeable about pickup trucks and about trucks. and, And actually has his own little story about love of a pickup truck. And we're going to jump in with them right now if we can get them. Uh, Tim, do we have you?
3: You have me. And uh, my my camera's working. You know, this technology in Nebraska trumps your your first-place Mariners, I think. What's going on with your— Yeah,
1: I think so. Well, you know, I don't know if you use Apple products, but every time they do a software update, it sends you to a place where you don't want to be. It's, it's like, it, it, it's almost like a Volvo, you know, you get under there and all of a sudden you don't know what you're doing. You thought you knew everything, but you don't know nothing. And uh, so, but you know, by the process of elimination, we worked through it and we're here and we thank you for that. And Thank you for joining us this morning on uh, our annual tribute to pickup trucks, America's workhorse. And really when you think about it, what truck gets more, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe you can make an argument that a van gets as much work as a pickup truck. But I don't know. You know, a lot of times you see electricians, they got their vans. They park them in the driveway, and then they jump into something else to take the family out in. Um, I think pickup trucks are probably the most, you know, dual-use truck or dual-use vehicle out there because people use them for work, and they clean them up, and then go out and use it to take the family to the drive-in.
3: Yeah, you know, a lot of people tend to boohoo pickup trucks as being this big, obnoxious vehicle, gas guzzler, or whatever. But the reality of things is it's the best vehicle for transportation, whether that is cargo, whether that's hauling something, whether that's towing something, whether it's family. You, you yeah. can't, there is no, there's no, it's like the Swiss Army knife of
1: vehicles. Whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. Yeah, it it really is. It serves so many different purposes in people's lives uh, from, uh, again, like you were saying, hauling your work stuff. And uh, I love the Swiss army knife uh, analogy. Uh, and, and then there's also this other thing about pickup trucks is, you know, people talk about the first car they got. And I, I know in the city that's the thing. But there's something about the the, uh, the handing down of the pickup truck from father to son uh, that happens when the kid gets their driver's license and dad gives him the old truck that he has has had on the farm for, you know, years. And now that's his, and no matter what condition it's in, defenders could be flapping off. This kid is out there bolting it down and shining it up and making it look like, uh, you you know, like the proudest thing in the world.
3: Yeah. And everybody's, it's not my i general, I'd say everybody, but I think a lot of people in this country have a story about an old farm truck, whether it's the grandfathers their uncles, their nephews, whatever we, you know, we're still an agricultural based society and we all have that, that story. And so, you know, in my case, I took one of those trucks and then took it off the farm and uh, got it running again.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I was going to, uh, going to say that your story is interesting in the fact that you write about pickup trucks and and and, RV, uh, and SUVs and so on and so forth, but you also you write about them from a place of love for those vehicles that, that you actually put yours on a trailer and and took it. I don't know how many miles it is from where you are to uh, Detroit to Woodward Avenue, but you actually trailered it out there and uh, and 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 drove it up and down Woodward Avenue.
3: Yeah, it's uh, 1,200 long miles of towing, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a 20-hour drive. I split it up in two days because it was a lot, but I had my 2023 Chevy Silverado bought for the year for the channel during Diesel in there, and I hooked up a 18-foot trailer and hauled on my 1962 C10. I just got out of the shop. He's got new transmission, new engine, new drive shaft, new... Lights, new cats can put a new seat in there for me. I got new wheels and tires from American Force Racing and from Firestone. I got LED lights from Holly, a new wiring harness. Uh, yeah, the uh, the bill from the guy who did the work for me is three pages long. Wow. <laughs> of parts. So uh, hauled that up, uh, got it bolted down, took it out, drove across country and got to Woodward Avenue. And it was on display at my sponsor, American Racing Booth. And then we drove it around Woodward a little bit and drove home.
1: What is the allure to people uh, not just farm people, but I see it in the city now too that there's an allure about pickup trucks. I mean, I must have fifteen songs on our uh, on our Saturday morning cartoon list written about pickup trucks uh you know from from you know, I've been everywhere to uh, you know uh, songs about making a love in a pickup truck and everything. it's something about the pickup truck that strikes people. Uh, a way that maybe no other vehicle does.
3: Yeah, it's it's America, right? I
1: mean, Chevrolet Apple Pie, baseball.
3: I mean, it's every country song you see, uh, you hear. Even you know, you see uh, celebrities now driving them. I mean, it, it's it's just. It, I think it harkens back to a time when we Americans, and some of us still do, where we put our boots on every day, we put our jeans on, went out, and had a hard day's labor, wiped our brow, got in our truck, and drove home. I mean, it's that. That satisfaction of of uh, getting a good hard work today, and and I think it's just it's Americana. It just it strikes that. And now you're seeing even more. Um, I see a lot of uh, decorations. The old uh, old trucks now are decoration pieces. People are parking on in the yard and putting waterfalls through them. Or waterfall or waterfalls through them. Or they're you can go to. Uh, I think we we're at Hobby Lobby the other day, and there's all these photos of old old trucks and things. And you know, it's just a nostalgia that that you know. There's, there's a picture about Christmas time that always comes up. Christmas time. It's a red old Chevy Ford, whatever pickup truck. It's got yep. the uh, Christmas tree in the back of it. It's got snow on the hood. It's parked outside the old barn. And you see this photo all over the place when it comes to the, the wintertime. And I think, it, again, it just the, I just think it goes back to Americana. I mean, there's, you know, it really strikes the core of, of who we are as, as uh, people and who we are as, as citizens. And uh, I, I certainly love them. I, I, I love them for a, a lot of factors. Um, I just, I like sitting up a little bit higher. I like having more cab room. Um, I like having um, the, to know whatever I do that day, I can do whatever I want to do. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna drive it empty and drive it around, or if I'm gonna drive the golf course, which I do quite a bit, or if I'm gonna drive the Menards or Home Depot, I can do that too. And so I just, I just love that aspect of it. And it's hard to, it's hard to find. Like I said another vehicle. I actually have a, a Mercedes Benz outside right now. I'm, I'm reviewing, and I'd much rather get my 62. I'd rather. <laughs> you know, just the entry exits better and driving around is better. It's just, it's just, you know, and there's, there's really something about um a, a warm summer day or a late fall day driving down the dirt roads, run by cornfields, window down in a truck. I mean, they're just, it's just the feeling you get in your gut and the feeling you get when you're doing that. I just can't put a, I, I can't find another vehicle that does that. You know, for example, you look at like uh, commuter cars and things, you just don't get that same love appeal. You know, you don't get that same you know, nobody's stopping and showing off their new Toyota Corolla at a right. car and coffee, right? I mean, it, it, you know, it, and that's fine. I mean, they're just different different customers, but um, yeah. And and the Silverado was really fun this year too because I did, um, as, you know, I've been showing off about twelve years or actually fourteen years, dated myself here. Um, and we do reviews, you see these vehicles, whatever. But in the Silverado, I did a new Fab Four bumper, a worn winch. We had to powder coat that and bolt it in. I did an aftermarket. Uh, a transmission cooler. I did a beard oil pan. I did rear diff cover. I mean, and so one of the stories I tell is I took the grill off my Silverado, and I'm sitting there, and 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 behind the grill, between that and the engine radiator, there's these air louvers. These louvers open and close depending on how fast you're going and the speeds. And there's a bunch of computer algorithms that improve fuel economy, improve aerodynamics, whatever. But I actually got to put my hand in there and grab one of those louvers, and I've written about this for eight years now, but I've never actually touched it. And i touching it. I'm like, oh, it's just it's just a different type of plastic, and just opens and closes. Oh, okay, you know, duh. This, you know, I knew what it was, yeah. but when you write about it, you don't get to experience that. And so then it was like, wow, I can really experience that. And then, you know, the, I, I'm not a big wheels and tires guy, but I learned a lot about wheels and tires the last couple weeks, or the last couple months, because of I got Firestone uh, tires on my Silverado. I got Fuel Wheels on there. I mean, we had both those on. I didn't know, and I was working with a guy who's in town who's on wheels for years. That there was a little cap that they put on in the factory to hold the uh, brake caliper on, I think the deal is, and then you put your tire on top of it. A lot of people do aftermarket tires; don't take the little cap off. It's just a cap; just it's just meant for assembly. Yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, you go. You get these tires, pull them off, and here's this flattened cap on the back of the wheel because they just bolted it down and just crushed the cap because they didn't take it off." And so I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know that." You know, so I, I was really, it was awesome experience to again work with a bunch of sponsors. And to be able to put the stuff together and then to build both, kind of build both trucks a little bit, but then go to Woodward and drive the old 62 around with Nebraska plates on it. It's actually technically a Wyoming truck. I actually thought for a little bit about putting some hay in the back and a little Nebraska flag. I, was, I said, no, I just, I just, I tried to get here, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you drive, you know, you're pulling out in traffic and you're sitting there behind new Mustangs and old Mustangs and old Camaros and Corvettes and Hummers. And this guy had a, he was driving his boat around. It literally put four wheels underneath his boat and driving that around. I mean, just, just the whole the whole circus atmosphere there and you're right you're right in the middle of that I mean I grew up in Michigan and you know Woodward Dream Cruise was the big deal and so you know we would either hear about it we'd go down we'd go sit in lawn chairs and uh, so to be able to, to kind of go back to Woodward Dream Cruise with an old truck was just it was such a cool experience it
1: was um it was um something uh, y- y- there's something that touches you. About about the pickup truck, the way people look at, it, especially the older ones, and it's interesting now that okay, so you got to go out, you want to buy a new truck now, you're going to spend seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars to buy a truck. I know guys that are going around and looking for old trucks, you know, basic, actually, really seventy to 75, 79 Chevys, buying them, rebuilding them. It it, it probably costs them about thirty, and they're selling them for fifty and and they're getting it because there's something about those older trucks they're smaller uh, a little bit more manageable in the city where people you, you know on my right. end use use them a lot and there's, there's a whole industry popping up and restoring these older trucks and and people instead of going to buying a new one and saving you know a lot of money buying a rebuilt one it's it, it's a very fascinating trend with these trucks
3: yeah i i think if if you look at like Haggerty's data, and I've looked at this uh, several times, is that the uh, pickup truck and four-wheel drive body-on-frame SUVs, like old Broncos, Blazers, International Scouts, are becoming really popular. And, and th- there's a lot of reason for that. First of all, um, the size is better for a lot of pe- people, right? So I can't reach in the back of my bed of my truck so I, I, I can't. I, I right. don't reach. It's- but my 62, I, I reach right in. I grab stuff right out. So. Um, you know, that's, it's a very usable truck with those, that realm. And I think my generation, they want the older technology. They want to go out and put it in four low. They want to manually lock the hubs. They want to do the the things that used to do back in the day. And they just want to go out and have fun and and be And the thing that's nice is like, so if I I just had some hail damage in my 2023 Serato and I called Geico and I got the claim and it's $11,000 with the hail damage, right? Well, it's not that bad. It really isn't that, there's like a few dents in the hood and things, but 11 grand because whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, like my 62 was parked outside the same storm and he just laughed. <laughs> he's like, you can't touch me, <laughs> you know, because he, it's full steel, steel panel. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, it, it, and it's an old farm truck. It's, so it's, it's a resto mod. So the, the exterior, I'm not changing. It's you got a nice green patina to it. It's a great looking truck. I'm not going to change the exterior, but if I accidentally hit something, I don't care. Yeah. Get something in my Toronto,
1: and it's seven thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like, Jesus yeah, Bill, crap, you know? yeah, I mean, these, these older trucks. I mean, one thing they had, I mean, it was hefty. I mean, they didn't use that cheap steel that they use today, right. they used you know, bigger, better, higher gauge steel. And if you hit so, in, in some ways, those trucks were meant to be hit. You know, yeah. you knew that when you bought a pickup truck and then, you know, they would put that uh that steel bumper diamond plate bumper on the back Yeah, yeah the
3: bull bar. Yep, yep. You
1: knew you were going to back into stuff. You knew that you yeah. were, you know, something was going to fall on the truck or something like that. And you didn't get bothered. down. you know, you go out and you buy a truck. And like you say, you know, you got a brand new Silverado. Somebody rubs up against it. And you're like, Oh my God, it's going to cost me, you know, $7,000 to fix a scratch. It's like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it, it kind of, it kind of makes me think in some ways the pickup truck is gone the way America has gone. We've gotten a little softer and more luxurious when we probably should go back to having, you know, three dials, you know, lights, wipers, heater.
3: That's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's so like the, yesterday I had to drive uh, the golf course and I drove across town and I drove the Mercedes Benz, which is, it's a $140,000 SUV. And I think myself like my same 62 C10 would do the same job. Now, would it be yeah. as comfortable? Mm, yeah, the seat's pretty comfortable, but I don't have AC in the truck and I don't have a heater really working in the truck. So there's a there's some challenges with that, <laughs> but I but I could have got the same job done, right? I, I guess that's my point is I could have got the same job done in the newer vehicle and the old truck. They, they do the same thing for me. Um, now, if I were going to travel, right, uh, I'm not going to take my 62, right? I want the creature comforts of my silver rod. I want creature comforts of something else, but... You know, if I just need to run to the dump, run to Menards, whatever, it's probably. So many of my neighbors around here, and I live in a rural area. So many of my neighbors around here, we have an old truck sitting around there, there, in the neighborhood, because they want to have something to go to dump with, something to go Menards with, something to go places with, and not have um, to worry about digging something, denting something. We all, we, we all, you know, it's somebody asked me. I have an old uh, Chevy trailer, and it's a, it's a short box trailer. And it has the, we basically take the box off. You put it on a frame. You keep it on frame. And you weld in a, a, a tongue, trailer tongue. And people were like, why do you have that? You have the bed of your truck. And I'm like, no, I, I haul all the gravel and the sand and stuff in that little Chevy bed, because if that gets beaten up, no big deal. I'm not putting that stuff back in my separato. Are you nuts? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's, it's like, it's like the mentality, you know, but I, you know, I should, I should put it back in my separato. I should be doing that because. That's a truck, but again, it's a $67,000 truck. I'd rather use my $500 short box trailer yeah. and beat the hell out of that than beat the hell out of my truck. You know, so it's, it, it, the times have changed with trucks and it's, it's, it's good and bad. It, it's good because uh, we are getting more use out of them and people are using them in all different ways, but it's bad because now you're more concerned about dents and dings, which is unfortunately uh, the reality of things, which is just too bad.
1: Right. Well, what's, where is this all going? What are we? What's the future? I mean, I know electric is starting to really, you know, uh, uh, the F-150 Lightning and the Silverado and the Hummer. And uh, we're going to see more and more electric trucks. Uh, will the trucks get smaller? Will we see uh, uh, kind of going back to the uh, uh, back a ways to uh, when trucks were a little smaller uh, and, and more? Um, you could fit it into one parking space in the city. Or, or are we going to see it continue? They're just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Which, what do you think, in your, in your expert opinion, is the, the market going to go? I, I think to answer that question, we have to go back in time
3: and realize that in, when Obama take, took office in like 2008, he uh, instituted a new EPA requirement. Its, and it's good or bad, it's controversial, but it's based on a footprint. And so vehicles are now measured by emissions by how big they are. And the, the thing is, if you go bigger, you can have less fuel economy. You go smaller, you have to have better fuel economy. Right. And so, what that did, the, the thought process behind the change was people would buy vehicles based on fuel economy only. Well, the flip side of that is, or the reality of things is now vehicles are bigger, because automakers are like, well, if I if I go another foot or six inches, whatever, in this vehicle, I don't have to meet those higher emissions requirements. And consumers, we always overbuy. And so we have a family of four. Well, I need the suburban extra large, you know, I mean the big suburban yeah. for family of four. And we're like, well, you you don't, but that's people think that way. That they, they want to have that bigger space. And so I think we're gonna see, I think we're gonna see bigger vehicles. I think bigger vehicles will be the trend for a long period of time because um, people want to do more things with their lifestyles. We're doing a lot more overlanding, which is just basically sleeping in your vehicle, we're doing a lot more outdoors. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're, we're, we're doing a lot more outdoor stuff than we used to be. And so I think we're going to see people going bigger, but we're also going to see this growth and this demand for a smaller vehicle like the Ford Maverick or the Hyundai Santa Cruz. And what's really interesting about the Ford Maverick is it's, you know, a third the size of F-150, right? It's basically, a, a, if you right. think of the, the old decent hard body or Chevy loves back in the day, it's, it's that size of vehicle. And it's still really in demand. we used to call that the little pickup. So uh, my channel is pickup truck plus SUV talk. I, I treat pickup and truck as two different things. So around the farm, we would use a little pickup, go we'll get a little pickup, and we'll drive around the farm, bring sandwiches out, you do and wire, whatever. If you needed to haul in the crops, well, you went and got the truck. Right. You needed the you needed truck, and so I think what we're going to see is this is, is the Ford Maverick is going to become the pickup again? It's going to become that little uh, vehicle that's cheap, that's good on fuel that you can run around the truck with it's a good runabout it's going to it's going to compete with the side-by-sides in the farm but we're also seeing with the Ford Maverick which I think is really fascinating is we're seeing that the target market for the Ford Maverick is actually exploding it's a lot of females a lot of women are buying Ford Mavericks and and I, the reason is simple is that you know in an SUV if if like my wife she she does she goes to the she has a garden outside she has potting soil she takes kids to soccer we have soccer stuff in the back she used, right. she used SUV for work. She has a little storage back there. But in her case, you know, if she had a little poor maverick or something, she could have stuff in the bed, throw potting soil on the bed and no big deal. Don't have to worry about getting the back end of the SUV all dirty with all this right. kind of stuff you're carrying around. And so she actually uses her subrata a lot when she's going to get flowers and things. And it's like, but that's, that's the case for that person. It's like, it fits in the city. You, you get the, you can get the front wheel drive with like, I think it's 40 miles per gallon. It's $20,000 and you can, and you can use it for a variety of purposes. I think we're seeing a lot of female buyers who want that. Who want? They want a little more utility, but they don't need the big, big truck. You know, right. uh, managing her Jill, as you know, uh, Jill's five foot tall, ninety eight pounds. Well, her in a three quarter ton is actually kind of hilarious. Yeah, she, I mean, she has to come up to the hood, <laughs> right? She can't, even, she can't even get, you know, getting the hood. And so, you know, for her, F one fifty is even too big. She just doesn't feel comfortable with it. But you get her into the Frontier Tacoma or even the Maverick or the Santa Cruz. And it's just, it's just so much better for her. Her sight lines are better. Her visibility is better. She fits in there better. She can use the bed. She can easily reach in the bed. And so I think those factors are going play to play into it. So I think if you, if you have a family, I think you'll end up going bigger vehicles. If you don't have a family, single, you know, maybe your kids are grown, whatever, I think you'll find you want smaller. And I, I think that's as things change. I know with my parents, um, the older they've gotten, the more they've downsized vehicle. Because right. they, it's harder for them to see the sight lines outside the truck and, and make those turns and things. But I, I still think with cafe requirements where they're at, we're doing footprint stuff. I think we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going bigger. The half is going to stay the same size three quarter times to be big, bigger. I think we're going to see that bigger market still exist, but we're going to go smaller with little poor fabric stuff. And that's where I think electric's going to come into play. So the lightning is, is an okay vehicle. It's to me, it's a vehicle. Uh, it doesn't really do truck things in my view really that well if you start towing with it if you start throwing stuff in the bed and hauling with it 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 doesn't like if i were to, to- so if i were to take the lightning and tow to michigan like i just did um i'm looking at probably a week to get there you know because yeah, i just it, it, oh, range really- i just I, I just can't do it right so and that's okay because not everybody's gonna wake up one morning and go hey i want to go to michigan this old 62. i get it i'm a little nuts I, I i completely appreciate that but i think that you're, you're going to see electric I, what i want to see is electric maverick I want to see electric small truck like that because the other thing that happened, I was doing a story uh, years ago. There's in a city in Ohio that actually went and bought an electric little side-by-side, basically. It's a little small, but kind of bigger golf cart Yeah, because they were running they were running to the courthouse and dropping off toilet paper. They were picking up little gardening stuff around. They're picking up the trash cans. They were gardening, dropping off flowers and things. And they're like, look, we have the F-250s with snow plows attached to them. We don't need to take the snowplows off and drive an F-250 around dropping off toilet paper. <laughs> like right. like yeah. we get a little like, side by side, we just drive around, drop it off. It's easy, we hop in, we go. You know, it it made, it made for them a lot more sense. And I think we'll see that is going to be the mix, right? So, we're going to see the three quarter ton, one ton stuff, still work trucks because we need those to tone haul. We'll need half tons to tone haul. If you want right. to go that, that next side. We'll see the, the, we're seeing right now is the Colorado and the Tacoma and the Frontiers, the mid sized truck realm we're seeing that become a really off-road vehicle. Uh, automakers are consistently building those with the thought process. You can go racing in a Baja, you can go off-road, you can go climbing in mountains and stuff like that. You can, that's that market going to go that realm. And then when I think of the smaller trucks, the Maverick and Santa Cruz, I'm hoping we'll see a Chevrolet competitor. I'm hoping we'll see a, a Ram Rampage or Ram Dakota come back. Right. And I think those vehicles would make a lot more sense as electric vehicles because you're not, the expectation is different too. So Ford Maverick, the expectation for me is, I may tow a lawnmower. I may do a little, little pop-up camper. That's right. it. That is the max. The most of the time I'm driving around, driving to work, whatever. And you're seeing this happen. Like if you go by a go to a, like buy an auto parts store, go look at Napa or O'Reilly, whatever, or, and and AutoZone, you'll see a bunch of Ford Mavericks sitting outside. Yeah. You'll see it it's perfect, right? It's perfect application. They're driving 20 miles around town, dropping up parts, you know, driving back and forth. And maybe the truck gets 100 miles a day at best but they need the truck because they want to throw the heavier items in it. Right, they want to, to throw to like muffler or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they throw, yeah. But they don't need to bring a half ton out. They don't need to bring that stuff out and they don't want to use a van because the van is great. But if you have something tall and big and you can't quite awkward fit, I mean, it, it, Maverick fits that realm. So I think, I think we'll see that more and more. I think we're going to see uh, a confluence of different things. The, the, the challenge with electric is going to be getting the price point down to make it reasonable because right, right now, the price point is insane, and even like a plug-in hybrid price point is insane. I did a video on a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and it comes in a 4 by and a non 4 by The 4 by is their, their plug-in hybrid version. Well, it's like 15000 dollars more for the plug-in hybrid version for thirty miles of range a day, fully electric. Yeah, they're
1: well, gonna have they're gonna have to do something with the with, with the price gonna, of these things because right. I mean, not only not only is it ridiculous. To uh, you know, pay 90000 dollars for Silverado, but if you know, at some point you have to give access to uh, the people that don't have that much money. You know, again, the, the Maverick twenty thousand dollars. All right, so maybe you, you can't find one for twenty, but twenty five, you know, you can probably yeah. swing something like that if you are a, a first time car buyer or. You're somebody who is, uh, you know, a second car, or you just don't have the means to do that. That, you know, twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. Because there's, there's going to be no twenty-five thousand dollar cars pretty soon. I mean, it's the, the way things are going there, you know. So, so the Maverick not only presents a good alternative for uh, for people who want a, uh, a pickup truck but don't want a big one. Uh, there's also uh, the, the price factor. It says. You can get into this for a reasonable amount of money. You don't have to have a nine hundred dollar a month truck payment when you can have a, a you know a three or four hundred dollar truck payment and still have the same utility that you get out of almost every big pickup truck.
3: Yeah, it just depends your lifestyle. So like you know, Maverick for me, I it wouldn't fit for my needs, but for a lot of people, it fits their needs. Uh, what we're going to see though is we're going to see that that F fifty Lightning, like the like Platinum's and things, that's a hundred and some thousand dollars. That's a status symbol. E. Hummer is a status symbol. I mean, it's just, that's what we're going to see more and more is it's the boss's truck. The, you know, the, but it, what yeah. what's crazy to me is that this is the first time in history we're asking consumers to pay more money for a product that has less range and less pretty, capability. Uh, pretty amazing. You know? isn't it? I mean, I, and I go to museums all the time. I was in museums in Japan. They had the first like 1891. They had electric little uh, uh, wagon. Basically it was a wagon with the front. They had batteries hooked to it we've been messing around with this for 150 years at least. And so it's like, but again, it, it just comes down to the fact I'm like, I want, I want more range. Like when I was driving my truck, to the Michigan, I had 24 gallon tank in the I had 300 miles of range. I was getting 15 yeah. miles per gallon, which I thought was great, but I have a 24 gallon tank. I was stopping every 300 miles. That got really annoying, really fast. Yeah, And I, so, I mean, I just imagine road tripping, 300 miles is about the range for most EVs these days. And it's like, my goodness, how annoying is it? It's just absolutely mind boggling how annoying it is. And I, was, and I was stopping at, I stopped at uh, Iowa. I would say one more thing. I stopped the Iowa I-80 gas station, which is the one of the largest gas stations in the country. I right. think it's a massive, got like a mall inside of it. And I was gassing up and it was a hundred degrees in Iowa that day with like 60% humidity. It was just miserable. You worked outside it's like a hot, you know, the, the the hair blower right in your face, It's hot air blower. Yeah. And people, the Tesla stations were about 200 yards away from the front door of the I 80 gas station. And so, I mean, they're like basically across the street. And I'm seeing these people like walk back and forth, checking on their car and going back and getting something to eat and going back and forth. And I'm like, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm not anti EVs. I think they work in certain places, like I said, cities with Mavericks and such. But my goodness, am I anti-that. <laughs> that was just, I just, well, you I, would, I couldn't handle that.
1: You'd think they would have a little thing on their Apple Watch that would tell them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm
3: sure they did. But, I'm, you know, I, I, you have these horror stories of chargers going down. And I've used chargers. And I've used, uh, uh, light, for Lightning, I took a road trip with it to Denver and back. And I, I was so stressed. I was It was very, very stressful. And it, very, very, I expensive. actually
1: ran out of, uh, ran out of the gas. Listen to me, ran out of electricity. I had a, a lightning that I drove over to Spokane and back, which is uh, five, four, uh, 275. And of course, the range said 250, you know, but that, you know, when when you have the heater on and the heated yep. seats going and everything, it drops like this. And Then if you go highway speed, the yep. range drops more. I think i had to stop like three times in 250 miles to uh, uh to charge it and then one time i plugged it into a charger and had a charger fault; the whole damn thing went dead uh you know the truck and the charger i was like oh like you know it it, it there's, there's going to be a curve there to for people to get used to that kind of stuff um yeah, yep. yeah I, I we're talking to tim ested all by the way from uh pickup truck and suv talk he has his you have a podcast and a website and everything right yep
3: and, and youtube videos and uh, we have social media and i post on i post funny stuff on social media because that's how i treat it yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's a big joke area but it's yeah we, so we have a pretty good youtube channel actually we're getting close to a hundred thousand subscribers wow that's tell
1: them to subscribe to, I, mean, I think i had 11 subscribers so, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it takes
3: it's taken a lot of effort it's taken a couple multiple years and lots of uh, late nights and things to get that point so i'm yeah. excited to get there it's it's to be a cool milestone uh, you know as as you know with youtube uh, the subscribers are just kind of a vanity number they don't really mean anything really we get paid by views and watch time and so that doesn't but it's still to get that that mark is is pretty pretty cool
1: Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to know that there's people that actually pay attention to what you're saying and, and kind of get that, um, I don't know that, that, that feeling like that's, that's the mark of how you know that you're doing the right thing is by that subscriber number moving up, you're getting people interested enough, uh, in it so that you grow the channel. Um, one, one more quick thing before we go, uh, foreign involvement in pickups well you know we saw the success of the santa cruz we've seen you know toyota and, and, and nissan and other uh brands try to hit the pickup market but yet there doesn't that there seems to be something I, I remember telling the toyota guy years ago when i was on a one of the one of these things where you go and look at the uh, truck the press thing where you go look at the truck i said i'll believe in a toyota pickup truck when I see the tow truck come to pick up my car, it's a Toyota pickup truck because there's a certain durability, and um, um, I don't know a brand recognition there. That no matter how hard they try now for off-roading, obviously the Tacoma, you know, is taking that segment of the market by storm. But what what, do the, what does Toyota, what does Nissan have to do to um, to gain? To, will they ever get up to the Chevy Ford? ram level or are they still always going to be kind of that um you know that 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 second choice for people
3: so what's really interesting with the discussion is when you peel back and look globally uh toyota is the world's largest truck manufacturer
1: right
3: period globally the hilux outsells everything else on a global stage it's only in the u.s market do we think of chevy ford and ram right? As the big, the big three of trucks. Uh, globally, people don't think of those trucks. <laughs> they think of Toyota. And they're yeah. just like, and, and, you know, I, I was on an Australian podcast a couple months ago and we were talking about this as well. And he's, and it's almost like those guys are like, why does even Chevy and Ford and Ram exist? Why do they even try to just buy a Toyota? Like, I mean, that, that's literally the viewpoint they have. So when you, when you take that viewpoint and you say you come to the U S market, especially for a Toyota standpoint, they had to build a plant because we have still have the chicken tax in place, which I, I don't know if you're aware of the chicken tax, but yeah, it's a yeah. 25% tear off of any foreign built truck that gets imported the United States. So the first obstacle you have is you have you have to build a plant. And those plants are, are really expensive, like billions of dollars to build a plant. So you get and they gotta build a plant. Then you gotta try to get enough market share, right? So in in the US, Toyota's standpoint is like, why do you even try? Like you know, Chevrolet is baked into every country song. We have slogans for Fords. We have, I mean, everything's baked in. So you, the competition is so stiff. And then when you go to the heavy duty space, like a tow truck, for example, uh, that competition is even more insane and more, you know, competitive. So, you know, Toyota, if they wanted to, they could own the U.S. market for trucks. They could just spend and spend and spend because they have the capital. Uh, they're the one world's largest automakers. They could just do it. Right. But. At the end of the day, why, why, why spend billions to be, become number one in one market when globally you own the truck market? If that makes sense. In in yeah, Nissan, yeah. Nissan's viewpoint, Nissan's really interesting. They just killed the Titan. Uh, the Frontier looks like it's delayed. Uh, Nissan's going through a really interesting transition. We had the Carlos Ghosn situation. We have the uh, uh, their. Uh, Peugeot, they were going to be merging with them. They have, they have different things going on, and so when you look at what they have, I, I just think they have a leadership vacuum a little bit right now. They're trying to figure out what's, what direction, and they're really leaning hard into EVs. And they're killing the Maxima, they're killing the Titan, they're just just simplifying the brand uh, options, I and mean, then go a lot more EV stuff, which is a really interesting gamble at this point in my view. Yeah. And so I don't, I'm not actually sure where Nissan is. I know uh, globally they're a pretty big company, right? But in the United States, it's, they're sending mixed messaging. They they killed the NV work van. They killed the Nissan Titan. They killed the, the truck stuff. The Armada seems like it's up in the air now because the Armada is based on the Titan. So maybe they can kill their full-size SUV. And so now you have the Frontier, which is being delayed, but a lot of new EVs come in the marketplace. And for me, I just sit back and I would sit back, sip my whiskey and go, all right, well, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> That's a right. bold move, Cotton. Let's see how that plays. You know, because it's like it doesn't. It doesn't make you know. It doesn't make sense to me. If you look at um, Nissan's got a huge heritage of of off road. I mean, the frontier yeah. globally is is massive. The uh, they they call it the 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 Armada is known as the Patrol globally. Globally, but the Patrol is a huge name. They just in the United States, I think we thought it'd be a, a police car, so we didn't want to call it <laughs> Patrol. <laughs> so I mean, the, 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 they have a lot of truck heritage behind them, and they have a lot of of, of good engineers behind them. I just don't understand the direction that they're taking the United States. Personally, um, I understand Toyota's direction because Toyota's like, why would we, you know, why, why own this market when we own the rest of the world market? That makes sense. Right. Um, I, I think that the challenge, like for example, with Ford, I think Ford's biggest challenge is globally. You see a lot of uh, trucks in the United States. Ford. I interviewed somebody the other day that they said the uh, Ford fleet business is five is about five hundred billion. No, excuse me, about two hundred fifty billion dollars. The fleet bit overall is five hundred billion a year, and Ford owns fifty percent of that marketplace. So Ford really, I mean, people are like, oh, it's the Mustang. Why don't they build cars? Like, are you serious? Like, the the commercial business is like a cash cow. And, you know, same thing as Chevrolet. uh, The commercial business is a cash cow. And one of the reasons I think of of trucks getting more expensive is that the EV development dollars and the research and development and building the plants, that's all being paid for by the trucks. Right. And so, I mean, the the trucks are fueling all that because the profit margin of trucks is so massive. So... Um, and, and I think Ram is really in an interesting spot because globally, Stellantis is like, uh, it's not the drug by the way that's na- in the company. Um, Stellantis, they'll help you out. And no, just kidding. Um, but no, I mean, it, globally, they're just like the, the Ram brand was growing. They're trying to, they're trying to take over the brands. They have so many different nameplates. They're just kind of a, a weird place right now. And the Dodge CEO, Tim Kanuskas now is overseeing Dodge and Ram and Dodge just killed all the muscle cars. And they're going to go full EV in the future. and, I don't know. I don't know. I've ever talked to a muscle car guy that goes, man, I hate the sound of my muscle car. I wish I could just be totally quiet.
1: Yeah, it's really... I, <laughs> I, I mean, if there's one... I mean, it's the only complaint I have about electric vehicles is you don't get that that, that, that butt it's, shake and... Yeah. When you, you, know, when you numb, take off. It's, it's,
3: for the cheap EVs, it's a numb driving experience.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an appliance. It's a, it feels like you're driving your refrigerator. Right.
3: And some people you were know. like that. I'm, I'm not going to argue that, that they don't like that. But yeah, I think... The U.S. market, we, get, we just get so focused on Chevy, Ford, Ram, but and, and I've always tried to peel back a little bit and kind of go globally. And I've, I've been in Japan, and I've been um, different places in the United States. I've seen different things. Like if you go to Michigan, I see Lincolns I've never actually seen before except for auto shows. Yeah. But once I cross the Michigan-Indiana border, uh, I don't ever see those cars again, right? Because there is an employee plan in Michigan. You go yeah. down to San Antonio, Texas, and you will see Tundras like you can't believe because that's where they build it. And in the parking lot's full of and Everywhere you go is full of tundra. I mean, they're really proud of that truck, right? And you go to the coast, you go to the West Coast, California, you go by you, you see Subarus, you see uh, all these different. Uh, I, my dad, I remember my dad came up from Michigan, he, long GM tech guy, came up from Michigan to Denver, and we we're up in the mountains, and they, all these Subarus are going by. And he's like, that's the most Subarus I've seen in my life. And yeah, if you go back <laughs> to Michigan, you don't see that stuff. So, yeah, you I
1: know, yeah, you know I've lived uh, for 10 years in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, where you have the you have a lot of suppliers there and yeah, you don't see as many uh, uh, foreign cars, you know, what you would consider foreign right. car. Once you get into that Ohio, you know, by Lordstown and, and that way you start to lose foreign cars. I mean, Toyota dealerships have yeah. like one car on a, uh, on the floor. Although I think that's changing now a little bit, but yet they're still immensely proud of the product and, 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 Uh, you know, and you just, you just don't buy something. It's a, you know, that part of the world is a company part of the world. So you buy what you work for, you know, probably you get an discount too, but.
3: Right. Right. And
1: and that's my point. We
3: have, we have pockets of things. So if like, again, if you're, if you're just in Michigan, if you're just in California, you're going to think of trucks differently in California, like electric trucks are great. Well, and you know, San Diego and downtown LA, you're not driving 500 miles. You know, right. you may do that in a month. Right. So electric trucks work out really well there. And like I said, if you go to Japan, if you go to a South, if you go to Asia, you'll sell these Toyotas. You, you remember all the uh, the Taliban were all driving Toyota Hilux pickups, right? <laughs> well, there's a, reason, there's a reason for that because it's that is uh, that along the coast of Africa, all the way up, I've heard from different people is all these little different stores full of Toyota parts. So it's yeah. like it breaks down, you just walk over and get a part. It's like it's like Napa's like Napa, Napa Toyota parts all the way through the coast, so it's easy to fix. They're reliable, and if something breaks, there's a part free right there. So it's just it, when you look, the company's really interesting. I I am I, I wasn't uh, I'm not quite sure what is doing with the Sequoia and Tundra. It seems like that's a bit of a miss this generation, in my opinion. But it's interesting to see what's happening. And I know the chief engineer before he just got promoted and moved on. Um, that guy is a great guy, Michigan guy. He would love a three quarter ton tundra. He'd love he'd love a one ton dually tundra with a diesel engine. But oh, Toyota is yeah. never gonna do that because the investment they have to put into that for the return is it doesn't work out.
1: and it's they're not gonna win. sell it in other markets besides here. And and again, right. as you said earlier, they're selling trucks all over the world. Why should they worry about I mean they're probably more worried about China than they are uh, you know, uh, right this market in america so they you know that's that's what the just we see a lot of automakers are, are starting to look at china and try to figure out hey you know what we can sell this place is getting more and more affluent people are buying more and more cars and trucks there pretty soon you know we'll be you know they'll be they'll be looking at that as the as their ma- major number one market and not the united states except for trucks you know Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: it, it, the, the, there's more full-size trucks pulled between Dallas and Houston than anywhere else in the world. Well, we only sell full-size trucks in America, so I mean, it's yeah. it, it's kind sort of a double-edged statement, you know. I was like, Texas loves trucks, but guess what? E- those trucks don't exist globally. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to Australia's starting to import them, but you know, Australia they take the Ram truck, they flip it the left-hand drive, and that base Ram truck's now one hundred fifteen thousand dollars. So, you know, it's, and they sell them because the Outback is like, it's like Western United States. They want to go out camping. They want to haul a fifth wheel camper and the Hilux just can't do that. And so, and they're trying to build these trucks be globally. So it's really interesting, you know, you, again, we get television in the United States, but you look, you look globally and EVs are sort of catching on, but then people are still importing massive, big full-size trucks because they want to go camping they want to get outdoors. And so we have this really interesting place to marketplace. And again, I, like I said, I just sit back and I, watch these press releases and watch these plans. I scratch my head a lot and I'm just <laughs> waiting to see what happens because it's it's a very interesting time. And and my, my my real issue right now is that we're not seeing much new full-size truck development in unique and de- different powertrains that maybe more fuel efficient and more right. and that people actually want what we're seeing is we're seeing those research dollars go to EVs that people aren't buying. Right. And it's a little frustrating for me because it's like um, you know, Ram killed EcoDiesel. They killed their 6.2 liter supercharged V8. I get a 6.2 liter uh, Jeep Wrangler on Tuesday. That thing's dead on arrival. I mean, it's they're going to offer it one year. They're going to kill the engine because, they, you know, according to them, they can't build it anymore because they're not allowed to. And then so consumers are going to go, great, I get this little two liter turbo that I don't really want, you know, and I, but that's the only choice I have. And that's, that's my frustration is that I think consumers are going to, in the next five years, are going to lose out on a variety of new things they could be having in their trucks because of the push towards EVs. Yeah, and we're going to lose research dollars.
1: sucking up all the research dollars. I mean, look at autonomous... I mean, five years ago, we were all jumping up and down about autonomous cars and this and that. And that. Nobody's going to... And then all of a sudden, you know, the electric Tesla became very successful very quickly. And now you're seeing, you know, they're all... Almost gotten off the autonomous cars and sent all that money over to the electric vehicle development. So, you really, I mean, you've seen these, uh, you know, GM and Ford and and Ram drop their alliances with uh, companies like Waymo and different uh, autonomous driving cars and take that money and put it into EVs because they think that that's where the future, the immediate future is. I mean, autonomous cars probably long range you're going to see, but. EVs have effectively stopped the autonomous car from coming along anytime in this decade, probably, uh, except for the limited autonomy that we see in, like, the Chevy Bolt and uh, Tesla and some of the other stuff. Tim, it's good to talk to you, man. It's a. Good to see your face this show Believe you me, your face was the happiest face I saw this morning because we were having trouble getting <laughs> on the air. I saw you there. And I thought, thank God it's working.
3: <laughs> oh, my we'll pleasure. Get, was- we'll catch up with you
1: again soon, man.
3: Yeah, sounds good. Anytime.
1: All right. Take care. Tim Estadol all from uh, Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. He's joining us talking about pickup trucks. It's our annual tribute to uh, the pickup truck. And we will take a quick break here and come back. We have a cartoon for you. And uh, we also got. Uh, I mean, we have let's to just to actually Nathan
2: go ahead and go into our cartoon since we oh, only got a go few minutes it, okay. left <laughs> here.
1: All right, yes, I, I, I didn't notice how long the, the
2: clock is. Uh, the time is flying by.
1: All right, let's do our cartoon. Uh, spin it, Nathan.
2: All right, we got a dedication to the pickup truck, and I couldn't find a better song than "If It Wasn't for Trucks" by Riley Green. So here we go on your Saturday morning cartoon. If it wasn't for Trucks by Riley Green.
1: There you go, Riley Green on Drive Time Radio. And if it wasn't for trucks, very true song. I mean, there's a lot of great songs about pickup trucks, too. And we have a lot of them on our Spotify uh, list. If you go to Drive Time Radio uh, cartoon um, on Spotify, we have our list up with a bunch of pickup truck songs because it, 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 they are some of the most written about uh, vehicles. Um, you know, that... And, Jeeps seem to have a lot of stuff written about them. But uh, uh, pickup trucks are the songwriter's favorites, and that is If It Wasn't For Trucks by Riley Green on our Saturday morning cartoon here on Drive Time Radio. Crazy Drive Time Radio this morning, but uh, one that's uh, quite educational. I mean, I learned a few things from talking to Tim Estadol there that uh, I hadn't realized or thought about before. So that's one of the things we always pledge to you on this show is that uh, we are, uh, you know, trying to educate you a little bit as well. Nathan, why don't you jump on here a second, because we do want to try to get the... um, There you go. (laughs) Don't mind me. I just hit the wrong button there. But I noticed a question uh, that uh, I, I am pretty sure you'd like to ask me.
2: Yes, and we're getting right to the end of the show, so I'll ask it quickly. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week?
1: Funny that you ask, Nathan, I'm driving the uh, Ford Bronco uh, Sport Edition. And this is, uh, uh, you know, this is the third Bronco I've had, but definitely this is the one that's getting the most looks. Its color scheme with the white and the yellow really is uh, attractive to people and uh, is just one of those trucks that, uh, you know, you love to drive. And it uh, catches the eye, the white uh, and yellow color scheme really Looks uh, stunning as you can see here in the pictures. And if you're on the radio, take my word for it. It's a stunning vehicle. We'll tell you more about that next week as we uh, do our review of it. But the Ford Bronco um, Sport Edition, uh, you can even see the uh, retro logo on there, works just fine. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of drive time radio uh we got through it nathan and i'm proud of you proud of me proud everybody we'll see you next saturday if the lord's will and the greek don't rise right here on
0: drive time radio thank you for listening ever look inside a drop of gasoline we do at tidewater again and again splitting the tiniest of drops even smaller and smaller and smaller Then we check the balance of molecules to learn all that science can learn. All to make Flying A the most advanced gasoline of today and for tomorrow. From other Tidewater research programs come new ways to bring your car a longer engine life with lubricants designed to protect under all conditions in any climate. That's why VDOL motor oils are so widely used in 82 countries around the world. And Tidewater research also brings you greater safety with the remarkable new Flying-A Safety Ride tire, first with the revolutionary Dynapol tread. New Safety Ride tires take extreme punishment with an extra margin of safety. Watch, at 50 miles per hour, these Flying-A tires on the left stop 39 feet safer than other premium tires. New gasolines developed in Tidewater laboratories have to prove themselves under the widest range of driving conditions. They're tested for winter driving, high in the mountains. Tested for summer heat out on the desert. Tested for start and stop driving, too. Tested and tested to make sure flying A gasoline puts more action in your car wherever you drive. This research is just part of Tidewater's one and a quarter billion dollar investment for your car. And here's where it all pays off for you. In finer products and better service at your Flying A dealer. Drive in at Tidewater's sign of quality,
4: Flying A. American cars guzzle gas. American cars are all style and no substance. American cars don't last. To all that, American Motors says nuts. This American Motors Concorde and this Spirit are built to be more than just good looking. They're tough. Tougher than ever before. The only American cars with galvanized steel and 100% of the exterior body panels. That's right, 100%. And Concorde and Spirit are more fuel efficient than ever before. This Concorde actually gives you better mileage than Chevy Citation. Only the top Americans give you Zbard factory rest protection and a full five-year no-rest-through warranty. Tough can be beautiful. Plus the exclusive American Motors buyer protection plan, still with the best economy car warranty coverage in the industry. Concord and Spirit, for good-looking high-mileage cars, don't sell the tough American short. Concord and Spirit, built to last from American Motors.